0: I am back with my special guest co-host, Braxton Harrison, who, by the way, loves the movie Desperado. So guess what? It's playback time. Written, produced, and directed by Robert Rodriguez, Desperado is a 1995 action neo-Western starring Antonio Banderas, Salma Hayek, Steve Buscemi, Joaquin D'Alameda, and Cheech Marin. It's the story of El Mariachi and his revenge on the ruthless drug lord, Bucho, who is responsible for the death of his lover. Of course, as he exacts his revenge on Bucho, El Mariachi leaves a trail of bodies and bullets, walks away from explosions, plays a little guitar, and finds a new lady love. In our conversation, Braxton and I get into the incredible over-the-top action in this movie, the undeniable sizzle between Hayek and Banderas, other casting choices, including, wait for it, wait for it, John Leguizamo as El Mariachi, and also why there seems to be a hole in Rodriguez's filmography when it comes to more awesome action films like Desperado. I'm Swain Hunt. Braxton and I have noticed that pulling a trigger is easier than recording a podcast, easier to destroy than to pod. And yet, here we are, recording a playback review of the
1: 1995 film Desperado. Man, so
0: you said you're a big fan of this movie... When did you first when did you first see it, man? And when did you first get turned on to uh, Rodriguez in general?
1: Well, <clears throat> he kind of came in with I don't know that there, there's some sort of connective tissue between him and Tarantino, right? And this is you know right after the excitement. This is around the excitement of Pulp Fiction, and I felt like there is a shift in in movie making and Hollywood's interest in Pulp Fiction type movies, maybe. I don't know. And I felt like Desperado was in keeping with that movement. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if um I guess you you know, you saw you saw Tarantino's face and he's he's got a role in the movie and you know I'm sure in the trailers they played that up but he's part of it Desperado to me when it came out was part of, of pulp fiction. Like, oh it's it's more of, of that goodness.
0: Right. Kind of like uh, snappy, cool, fast-talking criminals and gangsters. Yeah. Uh, really like bloody action. Yeah. And a certain kind of a hipness.
1: Very much so. A certain kind of a hipness. I mean, just something new, something different. Because Pulp Fiction was different. It, it felt different. It, it was different. Yeah. It felt smart. You know, I thought that... Desperado is certainly going to be an, another one of those. I want to be part of that.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. <clears throat> for sure. This uh, this movie was written and produced and directed by Robert Rodriguez. Uh, and it came out in, in 1995. His first movie, and I was you know just doing my research, his first movie, El Mar- Mariachi, came out in 92. And this is essentially like part of a trilogy that he was trying to do. You know how like... Kevin Smith had like a trilogy he wanted to do about New Jersey, you know, with Clerks and Chasing Amy, and you know all that stuff. Right. And maybe it wasn't a trilogy, but he, you know, he had movies he wanted to tell about where he grew up. Yeah. And uh, same thing with like John Singleton wanted to do that with uh with South Los Angeles, you know, with Boys in the Hood and. Baby Boy, and, um, you know, things like that, you know, where he, he wanted to tell a certain kind of story about where he grew up. And this is supposed to be part of Rodriguez's trilogy with, you know, El Mariachi, Desperado, and then I guess concluding with Once Upon a Time in Mexico.
1: Yeah, you know, and I, w- I wonder, now that you say that is does he feel like he successfully pulled the trilogy off because... I felt like maybe it was just him finding fame as, as a director. Mm-hmm. Maybe he lost the the thread of, you know, it, because those three movies that you mentioned do not feel like a trilogy to me. They don't feel like there's a hard connection with like a part one, part two, a part three. Right. Um, especially the last one with Johnny Depp. I felt like it, you know, it, it was almost. An, that was the biggest miss yeah, and it was almost a, a bit of an afterthought. Like he had Spy Kids, and I felt like he had other irons in the fire that were garnering some success. And it was like, oh, you know what? This is I got I got to get Once Upon a Time in Mexico out because it's my you know it's my my baby. So and he put it out, but yeah, it
0: was a miss. That movie was a miss. Yeah. <laughs> it was a miss. It was a miss. And I do remember renting El Mariachi back in the nineties. Yeah. Like, after I saw this, and after I saw Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs, which all this is coming out right around the time, like you just like you just mentioned, around Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction. And I remember going back and renting El Mariachi, which he made for $7,000. Like, he made the entire film. $7,000? Are you kidding me? $7,000. Like, he would do... You know, like, you know, shots where they put the camera, I guess, on like a, a crane or a, not a crane, but like on a dolly or whatever where it moves. Sure. He put it on like a uh, grocery cart <laughs> you know, and used that, you know, for the image.
1: Oh, he, he had to play hell trying to find that one smooth grocery cart that could be. Right, that didn't have the yeah. bad wheel on
0: it. <laughs> but, um, and I remember <clears throat> thinking, okay, this is okay. And then Desperado comes out, and he makes Desperado for seven million dollars—literally a thousand times the budget of his first film. Right. You know. And then, of course, like you said, later on, in like the, uh, I guess the late nine oh oh three, actually was when uh, Once Upon a Time in uh, in Mexico came out. But again, you know, he he's behind the film. This is really his baby. Uh, he made El Mariachi when he was twenty three. I guess he was he was uh, twenty five or twenty six when he made uh, Desperado. And and the movie stars uh, Antonio Banderas as El Mariachi, the same character from the first film, although recast. And he's seeking revenge on this drug lord, Bucho. Yeah. Uh, f- for killing his lady, his lady love. I'm looking for a man who calls
1: himself Bucho. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Angela still to this day, my wife, we we still quote that. Do you? Uh, Yeah, I'm looking for a man who calls himself Butcher. There's another quote, and I do this with my daughters quite often, is uh, Antonio, I can't remember what the scene was, but he says, and you had to go and do it the hard way. (laughs) And I say that to my children all the time, you know, whatever they're doing, that you did it the hard way. (laughs)
0: That's awesome, sir. Yeah. <laughs> and they're looking at you like you're crazy. <laughs> uh, the movie also stars uh, Salma Hayek as uh, Carolina.
1: If I'm not mistaken, this is the movie that um springboarded her career,
0: was it not? Yeah, yeah. She she became a much bigger actress, especially as far as American audiences. I think she done some stuff in on like in Latin film in the Latin film community. But she hadn't done anything in America. And so this was her big her big break and kind of made her a star in, you know, as far as American cinema is concerned. Uh playing Carolina. And then the, the aforementioned Bucho Yeah. Uh is played by uh Joaquin de Alameda. Yeah, I love that guy. I like to uh,
1: he's got a really cool voice. Uh
0: fantastic voice.
1: Yeah, he was in one of the um uh Jack Ryan movies as the big bad but um
0: He's kind of played this character many times. Uh, Joaquin plays it in, uh, I think, in uh, one of the Jack Ryan movies. He's played this exact same character in Fast Five. He was in one of the Fast Five movies. He played the same, this, literally, this same character, and he played the same character on uh, the TV show Queen of the South. Oh wow! Yeah, which is a great show, and uh, the character's name is Epifanio. But yeah, he's he's been typecast as this guy, but uh, he's great. Uh, Steve Buscemi is in the movie. Cheech Marin is in the movie. He plays the bartender. Yeah, which Cheech Marin
1: must be. He must have a close place in uh, Rodriguez's heart. Yeah, because he's in just about everything he's ever done.
0: Yeah, yeah, he is. And it's always kind of fun to see him. Like I don't even think about Cheech and Chong and those old you know smoker stoner records that he that they would make. I don't even think about that anymore. Now I just think about him as this kind of uh kind of a. Uh, day player yeah, character actor yeah. who shows up in
1: in these movies all the time. Whatever he plays, though, it, he's almost a, a a comedic character. Of I mean, you know, he's he's not he. I mean, he's a gangster in in this role in this film, but he does not. You're not scared of him at all. You know, he's he's definitely
0: well. He works for the gangster in the in the bar, but he's definitely down with the, with the dirty dealings. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And as soon as you see his face, like you said, you kind of laugh and you kind of smile like you're happy to see him. You're like, okay, all right, it's going to be some fun stuff going on because, yeah, Cheech Marin is here. And then Quentin Tarantino plays uh, pickup guy. And uh, and I don't know if this is maybe the first or second time I saw Danny Trejo.
1: Yeah, this might, if I'm not mistaken, this might be Trejo's uh, role that propelled him to – and, you know, what? I was looking at him. You know, we watched this movie – as, 'cause we're gonna record it, and I'm looking at Danny Trejo and you know he's a hard man you know he's got a hard chisels chiseled you know uh face yeah and but he was kind of handsome you know back then he's built you know thin, yeah, yeah, but yeah, this was even back then though he he looked like somebody you would not want to
0: yeah yeah. And I, I want to say, you know, he's got the tattoos. Like you said, he's all, you know, Cock Diesel. And uh and he's got that stare. You know, he's got a real hard stare. Yeah,
1: and and he's dialing, uh, using a payphone with, with dialing the numbers with a knife. With the, I, I
0: mean, come with on. the knife, yeah. with the end of the blade. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which I want
1: to try. I'm too bad there's no more payphones around. I'd like to do that. I'd like for somebody to see me from across the parking lot. Look at that guy using a Bowie knife to Man, dial. That guy's...
0: <laughs> that guy's really tough. Look at yeah. how he doubt the fucking payphone. <laughs> 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 yeah, uh, and he actually shows up again, uh, or, or he actually um, uh, collaborates again with Rodriguez in Machete. Yep. You know where which he starred in.
1: Have you ever seen that movie? No. Um, I I want to see it. I can't believe. It. Honestly, now that you ask me, it just is a testament to my life. How you know I'm. I'm and not only that, but just entertainment in general. You know, there's all kinds of movies. There's all kind of great movies to go see. Right. And normally, if if there wasn't so many movies, I would have seen Machete by now. But I haven't. I do want to see it. As a matter of fact, I'm probably going to watch it tonight.
0: It's hilarious. It is absolutely hilarious. And uh and it's outrageous and over the top like a lot of Rodriguez movies. But he is the ultimate badass in in the uh, in the movie, but I remember, man. Me and my wife saw this in theaters. When I was rewatching it over the last week, because I watched it like in two parts. I watched half of it in DC, and then I watched half of it when I got back here. And when I was watching it, my wife was like, "Didn't we go see this in theaters?" I was like, "Yeah, we did." And she's like, "Oh yeah, I do remember. I do kind of remember some of this stuff." And and this, like you said, this was around the time when you know there were new things happening in cinema. You know, the Tarantino infusion was affecting everything. You know, people were, you know, starting to write, you know, their characters to be, like you said, smarter. Yep. um, More uh, pop culture awareness in their scripts. You know, gangsters who are talking about mundane things before they go do these extraordinarily... You know, commit these extraordinarily violent acts, yeah. Um, you know, all of that stuff, and really just you know, the filmmaking itself just felt like fresh, it felt new, it felt different from what we had seen in the 80s from like kind of more the Spielberg and the John Landis, and from you know, those kinds of folks. Mm -hmm. And it felt different in a criminal from like a crime fiction perspective. You know his his approach, and and by association, Rodriguez felt different from like the crime fiction of like uh, Scorsese mm-hmm. or somebody like that who'd worked in the '70s and '80s. You know what I mean? You know, just felt different. But
1: well, there's something about like Rodriguez. He he. Of course, there's there's this element of camp that's yes that he reaches for
0: when he makes these narr- these stories, and he. And he wholly throws his arms around it, like he he's not not trying to do it. It's not by accident. It's not funny. Not on purpose. It's absolutely supposed to be on purpose.
1: But it's not so far into camp that it's just, you don't watch it and just you know, unless you're just a horribly cynical movie watcher. But you don't watch it. You don't go, oh, this is just a campy movie. I mean, it still takes itself serious enough, but like you've got you know physics. They're not working. Robert Rodriguez physics and <laughs> and regular physics are, are two different things. And, you know, the gun sounds different. The gun, you know, they I guess they put in sounds of, you know, the clicks of a gun as you're messing with it uh-huh. after. What is that called? Dolby? Is that? Uh, Foley. Foley. Foley, right. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, you know, you shoot somebody and he flies up in the air and then you you know, load him up and, uh But I think I feel like Rod- Rodriguez is there's there's a element of a fourteen year old. The all the good things of, of Fort you know, the, the fun stuff of action mm-hmm. that he's playing with. And you know, he, he he does this with a lot of his movies. You'll see these weird things like a girl with a machine gun leg. Right these guys with, all right, a guitar case is actually a rocket launcher. And yes. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you almost can want to sit in the room while he's coming up with this guy, this stuff and sharing it with his guys, uh, you know, at, at the the meeting for the movie. Like, hey, this is... in, in, in development and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, this is what we're going to do. We, we got a guy here who can... Um, and it's funny, you know, we're watching the movie and... and And there's this one fight scene at Bucho's place. And, you know, as I'm watching this, I I wrote it down so we can talk about it and get your impressions. I thought, was he doing a red herring with this character? But it was the guy who fought Christos. Mm -hmm. And Bucho said, if he can beat Christos, then, you know. But there was something about that guy that I'm like, okay, is this going to be some is he going to turn on Bucho? Cause he seemed like uh, right. a character that you would uh, have sympathy for or something. I mean, he gets his leg broke or whatever. And, but you know, when the scene comes and he shows up again, he's dispatched, you know, instantly, <laughs> instantly. But, but it's almost like, wow, that was a, that was a weird focus on that one guy that uh, Rodriguez put on there. <coughs> um, And I just think it was Rodriguez just throwing things into uh, a movie that is just fun, you know? Right.
0: I thought the same thing when they showed that. First of all, he was like a handsome guy, and then he was kind of innocent looking. So as an audience member, you immediately kind of like him. Yeah. Yeah. And then he gets his leg broken, but he does defeat Christos. Yeah, and
1: you think, okay, he's he's got okay, something.
0: So maybe something's gonna happen with him after the fact. Yeah, he's. Got and then something. when he shows up when they when they're trying to get the jump on uh, on uh, El Mariachi later on, and he's like on a roof or whatever, and then he just shoots him, and it that's it. That's it. Yeah. And it's like, okay, what was what was the point of all? Like you're saying, all all of the focus on this particular character. I think they actually maybe refer to that as uh, Chekhov's gun, where it's like, okay, if you focus on something you have to pay it off later. If you don't pay it off, then it feels a little, the audience kind of comes out of it. Like, well, what was that about? You know? Yeah. But, um. but I, I love man. you know, like you were talking about the, uh, the, the camp and the, uh, especially as far as like the over the top action, like the scene in the bar where he comes to the bar, with uh, Cheech Marin's bar and he's behind the bar and they're shooting at him and he's dodging bullets and he's capping them <laughs> off one by one. <laughs> Swain, Swain, he's
1: shooting like this like yeah yeah and I know the the listeners can't see this but imagine flinging your pistol yeah as you get a shot and it's it's almost like something you saw in like old classic westerns you know where they're right. They're flinging a shot. But anyway, I He's, he's you.
0: literally shooting like we would be shooting when we were playing Cowboys <laughs> and, and, and Indians right. or whatever as kids, where you we were like, ah, 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 ah. It's like, only he's killing dudes, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but that one guy, he's behind the bar on his back, and that one guy jumps on the bar and gets ready to leap on top of him. And he puts his feet up and, like, kind of airplanes him. <laughs> yeah. And then pushes him away. And then shoots him while And then shoots him as he's flying away. Yeah. And you, if you look closely, you can see the cables behind him pulling him back. Don't look, don't look too close, man. Don't look too close. <laughs> but, you know, one of the things I thought that was really dope was the whole setup sequence where Steve Buscemi walks into this bar. I forget the name of the town. Buscemi walks in this bar and it's, you know, it's full of, you know, these kind of uh, uh, Mexican bad guys mm-hmm. or guys who definitely, you know, are of ill repute
1: not like these great guys you got back here these great guys back here (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) and he's just this kind of weird kind of goofy gringo and nobody's really paying him much attention yeah until he says bucho bucho and then all of a sudden everybody wanted to pay attention and the whole setup where he's describing this this really bad guy oh he's the biggest mexican i've ever seen and you know, and he's comes in, he pulls out this hand cannon yeah, bigger than any biggest hand,
1: ca- hand cannon I've ever seen. And you ever and you notice during his uh his his dialogue or his, his exposition, uh-huh, he the music is like it's like it's it's like Robert Rodriguez is in the background and as soon as Buscemi says key things, he'll crank up the sound of, of the soundtrack. Right. And what was playing, I think it was it was either
0: Roger and uh, the brown, Gypsies. Brown Brown
1: Brown. Yeah, it was either that or um No, Pass brown. the Hatchet was playing when Quentin Tarantino came in, but it was another Right. Right. <laughs> right.
0: Me, that whole opening sequence was kind of on like some Kaiser Soze shit, (laughs) you know, because he's you know, his face is in in shadow, and you're like, maybe that's not Antonio Banderas, maybe that's somebody else, yeah, you know, it's like you, you you know, he was so mysterious, and they were so, you know, the figure was so shrouded. He even says, you know, it's as if the shadows were following him wherever he went, right, you know, so you know, he built up the mythology of this guy as as a badass to the point that where you know, when they finally, you know, do you know, butt heads with him, you know you know he pays it off or whatever but I, I love i love that that uh that uh that sequence uh for sure and you uh we were talking about Salma Hayek this was her first big break she was a legitimate smoke show in this movie she was dude. a smoke show oh my god the scene where uh
1: she's walking across the street and causes an accident <sighs> Oh, like I, that might have been real, you know, I
0: mean, that, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that happened in her real life. If, if they set it up for the movie, that has happened in her real yeah. life. She was unbelievably gorgeous. And I think the uh, the chemistry that she had with Banderas was undeniable. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just they just sizzled on screen together. Even that sex scene that they do later on, which I'm convinced was a body double. I don't I don't believe that was her most of the time because, uh, you know, there are parts where you can't see her face, and usually when you, you can't see the actor's face, be it male or female, um, it's usually when they have a body double. We'll have know. to research that. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That that would be worth researching. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man. You know, another thing that kind of threw me off about the film was, or what I loved, was uh, when Kampa when and Kino show up. Oh, yeah. You know, his boys. Yeah. And he's like, ah, Kampa and Kino. And they show up, and you know, and it's like, oh man, this is going to be like on some Three Amigos, only not yeah. funny.
1: They'll tear this town apart, is what
0: he said. Yeah, yeah, and he tells them that, right? Yeah. Well, the thing of it is, um, and I, I don't know
1: which one's compa and which one's kino, but one of them was played uh, Antonio Banderas's character in the first movie, correct?
0: Yeah. Uh, the guy who played compa was Carlos Gallardo. That's the guy who was who was in the first El Mariachi. Okay. And then when he got when he got uh, when he got the budget and got greenlit to do this movie for seven million dollars, I guess they didn't want they didn't want a virtual unknown,
1: which has got to be hard on uh, on him, I guess yeah. a little bit. Like okay, I get it. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But
0: I was disappointed because I was like, okay, they show up you know, and then Kino has got like the rocket launcher. So he goes down on like this weird pose and puts it on his shoulder and like, well, another
1: thing, which is when, when this, then this is, this is a step toward, this is the line that Rodriguez is straddling between camp and, and realism, you know, a real threat from a gunfight. When Bucho's men show up and the three of them are standing there Mm -hmm. and the guy pops out of, uh, the the uh, bulletproof the sunroof of the bulletproof, and he starts shooting him with an automatic rifle. What does Antonio Banderas do in this scene? He acts as though you're throwing pebbles at him, like he lifts his 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 foot up, you know, like oh 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 my gosh, right, right, come on man, <laughs> you're getting there's no cover or anything, they're just loading him down. So uh, yeah, I mean you got that unrealism but it just shows i guess what rodriguez is doing he's showing the swagger of these men i mean they they are men's men's men you know they're not scared of automatic weapon
0: right and he and he wants you to know again banderas's character el mariachi he is the ultimate badass yeah he's not afraid of anything he actually gets stabbed a couple of times and catches a bullet yeah but he doesn't die and he continually like creeps back to uh, to a Carolina's bookstore. Yeah, she she patches him up, man. Yeah, and then sends him right back out. It's like, how'd you learn how to do this? I run a bookstore, man. It's a medical book. I just you know, <laughs> you know, I just read how to do it and so on and so forth. Yeah. But um, but what I was trying to get to with Compa and with Kino is, is you know, it was awesome when they showed up, but they got blown away within like ten minutes. I
1: know. I did not like seeing them get killed. Yeah. Yeah, you know, they were living their lives and then Antonio Banderas calls them and, and now they gotta die. Which by the way, did Antonio Ben the Desperado never had a name, right?
0: I think it's just El Mariachi. I think so. Yeah, they just ref- as a matter of fact, Busimi never had a name. They just he's listed in the uh in the script as just Busimi. You know. So he <laughs> never had a name. But even with that, like even with Comp and Kino getting murked. The same thing like with Buscemi where at least we spend the first, I guess, third to half of the movie with Buscemi and then he gets stabbed by uh, Danny Trejo's character. That's right. And then Trejo's character, you know, shows up with the knives and and you think, okay, this is going to be like, like on, like he's going to be like bullseye, like in some badass who can throw. That was a great scene, by the way. It was fantastic. Yeah. (laughs) But then he ends up getting killed, you know, uh, at the end of the, at the end of the sequence. And, um, But, and so you know, ultimately, that Banderas, uh, El Marachi, and Carolina, they're going to survive. No matter what, they're going to live to see the end. And, and you know, Buccio, Buccio's going to get it. You know, Buccio's going to get it at some point. He's, yeah, he's so despicable. You, you know, he's got to go. He's got to go. I think this was the first movie, you know, and I'm probably in 95, I guess I'm. Twenty something, twenty-five, twenty six years old, something like that. Twenty seven. We were married, so no, probably twenty-eight. But anyway, this is the first movie where I remember thinking, you know, when they're on the roof and they're walking away from that explosion, oh, cool guys do walk away from explosions. Yeah. That's that's some shit that you do when you're a cool guy in a movie. Yeah. Cause it was just This <laughs> was before this was before
1: the it, it it became a little bit of a trope to see right, right. walking away from an explosion like now you you there's gifs of cats walking away from an explosion you know there's it's it's all over the map but I think this came in either right after all of that it 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 did it in a good way I you know it it's almost like it there's some part of this movie that is winking at you mm-hmm. um, when you're seeing it right and. You know, I think a lot of other movies that we may watch, you know, uh, Van Damme, um, Steven Seagal movies that would do something like that. It's not as fun as when uh, Rodriguez does it for some reason.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and like you said, and, and the whole winking at you is perfect because you're exactly right where it's like if you pull back on from the details of the movie, you know, and just look at it in broad strokes. OK, it's a guy. Who lost, you know, his his wife or his his love was killed. He's getting revenge. The bad guy is completely despicable. He runs the town. Everybody's afraid of him. You know, the badass hero hooks up with this girl who's connected to the bad guy, and then ultimately he's got to have a showdown with all. The, he's got to plow through all the bad guy's men until he gets to the you know his ultimate showdown with the bad guy. Right. And so, and like you said throw in that gunfights, fist fights, a, you know, a hot sizzling sex scene and somebody <laughs> walking away from an explosion. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know. Yeah. The uh did you like the touch with the kid uh, the kid who's playing guitar and you find out he's kind of like a like a drug runner?
1: Well, I, well, it's it's just like what what last time I was on and we were talking about um uh the last boy scout and there's that scene. It's almost like it's like there's there's certain things you can't do, and if you mess with drugs, you are a bad guy. Mm-hmm. And no matter how much killing you're doing, no matter how much you know, you you sexing up all the the women's and and you know all no matter all this stuff. <laughs> if you're messing with drugs, Swain, that's we you know that is the audience's cue to know that you are a bad person are are doing bad stuff. So I think that once we saw the kid. Doing that, and we saw the outrage Antonio Banderas' character had for it. It's like, okay, he he's a man's man. You know, he, he ain't putting up with the drugs. He ain't putting up with with this kid. And then, you know, they they returned to that kid when the kid got shot. And so it's like the movie all of a sudden got serious. We got to get this kid. <laughs> yeah. no, never mind this, this goofy gunfight we all messing around with out here. He, he actually caught a bullet. We got to get him to... To the hospital to get him patched up, yeah. you know. Yeah. So they used <clears throat> they used the kid in, um, I guess, in ways to direct the audience on on you know who's who's bad, you know
0: when's when's it what's the real things that matter, you know. Right. I guess it's something you got to have. And I didn't remember from you know when I saw it the first time, I didn't remember that the kid was trading guitars and that they were hiding the uh the dope in the guitar. Like I didn't even remember that when I saw it. I was like and like you said, it's an immediate cue. It's like, oh, you're using children? Oh so yeah. So you are a piece of shit. So yeah. we definitely gotta so now you really see just how low these these, these 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 guys can go in terms of uh in terms of their their dirty dealings. And like you said, when the kid caught astray, I was like, damn. Y'all shot a kid? Damn. You know.
1: And Compa did that, man. Compa's the one that with that automatic
0: with that, yeah. uh, spraying it around like the way he was. Yeah, man. Yeah, he did that. Yeah, unfortunately <clears throat> so. You know, some interesting casting uh trivia for this particular movie, man. Apparently they had actually cast uh Raul Julia as Bucho. Was he not dead at this point? When did he pass? He died while it was in development. Like, they, right. they cast him, and he was their first choice. And so that's when they went to uh, Joaquim uh, de Alameda and replaced him with that. But Jennifer Lopez auditioned for Carolina.
1: Hmm. I like Selma. I, I'm Selma Hayek. She, she sealed the role. I can't see past yeah. anyone else doing it but Selma. Yeah, yeah. I mean. And as a matter of fact, like, it was not until this re rewatch of the movie. Uh-huh. And then you, you know, as we're looking at all the details of the movie, you look at the the actors' names and the role, What was it, and you see it written, and it's Carolina. Like, you know, like South Carolina. So now I'm wanting to say Carolina, Carolina. Yeah. You know, like it's suppo- supposed to be said. Yeah,
0: yeah. But it's a beautiful name, you know, like. Uh, and it sounds more elegant with the Ina instead of the oh, Ina, where yeah. it's like, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, this is, this is somebody that you, would this get. is the right way you say this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I actually have known a Carolina over the years. So that's why, uh, whenever and I, she said it like that
1: was how you pronounce her well, name? she
0: Yeah. She was, she was Latina. So she, she it was pronounced that way. Right. So I, I caught that and I immediately thought that, but if Lopez had been cast, cast as Carolina, it still would have been a smoke show. But a different kind of smoke show. But I agree with you. I think Salma Hayek was just perfect. And her chemistry with uh Banderas as as I mentioned earlier was just you know, it was yeah, just Yeah, I
1: think that they did they played off of each other very well. Yeah,
0: yeah. Now, here's the other thing. The second choice for El Mariachi if they couldn't get Antonio Banderas was John Leguizamo. That's a different movie. That's Swain. a different fucking movie, dog. That's a different movie. <laughs> Because number one, you got uh, Antonio Banderas is bringing the sex appeal mm-hmm. to, and all the swagger and the machismo and the and the charisma, the the the
1: sex appeal that is that you see of you know Mexican men with the the accent right specific yeah, and I don't know that Leguizamo carries that. I don't I don't know if that's his stick so much.
0: I don't know either. I mean, when he he's played like uh he's
1: been all over the map with with roles that he's he's played. Yeah,
0: he's done, he's done everything and he's played like you know, he and he you know, when he was a younger guy in the 90s, he was he was a handsome, you know, a handsome charismatic kid. Yeah. And he, you know, he played like, you know, the, he was one of the squad members in Die Hard 2 for the bad guys. Uh, he was one of the SWAT team members on Executive Decision. But Leguizamo, it would have been a different movie for sure had he been cast as that. Because I don't know if I... Like, even if you go back and watch El Mariachi when Gallardo was playing El Mariachi, you wanted to be El Mariachi when Gallardo was playing him. You wanted to be El Mariachi when Banderas is playing him. I don't know if I want to be him if, if Leguizamo was playing him. Yo. I don't know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, who knows? I mean, he 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 would have to... Invent a different character that we have not seen. That's for sure. Yeah,
0: yeah. The last bit of uh, casting uh, stuff I dug up was so this was Salma Hayek's first English-speaking American film, right? Right. And uh, Rodriguez was all in on her, but the studio was like, "Ah, eh, she's unknown in the United States. We need to get somebody who actually has, you know, some kind of a name." You know, the studios are always wanting to make the safest bet possible. Right. So. They wanted to cast Cameron Diaz as Carolina. Come on, man. Hey. She was she was starting to get hot cuz she had been in the mask. And they were like, "Okay, her last name is Diaz, so she can pull, you know, she she'll she'll play to, you know, to the Latin audience." You know, although Cameron Diaz I think is Cuban and obviously Salma Hayek and, uh and Bo- Antonio Banderas are uh, are Mexican. But the, he ended up fighting for Salma Hayek and rightfully so because between this and that scene in from Dust Till Dawn, Yeah. And then, you know, all the stuff she's done after this, which she's had, she's been in some good movies. You know, she's she's actually, you know, made a real career for herself as an actor.
1: I can't think of the movie. You might know it, but she played. It was a really austere, independent film. And she played uh, like a housekeeper. But yeah, and I can't remember the name
0: of that movie, but
1: I'm sure that if people research her, they can they can identify it.
0: Yeah. I, uh, she's, she's done a lot of less than great movies. She's worked a lot, but you know, she has done, she has had some, some good performances. Uh, I loved her in Frida where she played, uh, Frida Kahlo. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and she was good in the Hitman's Bodyguard. Um, she's coming up in the Eternals this year as a matter of fact, next month. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And she was pretty good in Fool's Rush In and I'm trying to think of, and she was in. A, I think she had a small part in in the Spy Kids movies, if I'm not mistaken, one of them. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. That's um, that's Antonio's. Uh, not Antonio. Um, Rodriguez. Rodriguez's. That's his. <clears throat> it's like as soon as I feel like uh, as soon as the Spy Kids franchise came on the scene, he really, he really, you know, focused all of his stuff on that. Yeah. I just, I felt like, I don't know, I feel like uh, Robert Rodriguez kind of, well, he did do um, one of the Grindhouse movies, or was all of... Planet Terror. Was that, that was a double feature with Tarantino, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like, uh, I just feel like there's a hole in his body of work that that seems to have have, would have been emerging after... Planet Terror and Desperado and Dust Till Dawn that you you know we didn't see. Um, I feel like he's got a lot more movies that he intuitively would have been making.
0: Yeah, and I think probably what happened so like with this movie, you know, it cost seven million bucks. They probably spent ten promoting it, which was nothing back then. You know, I think Bad Boys Two was like nineteen million or was Bad Boys was like twenty million dollar, twenty four million dollar budget. Right. So and it made. million here in the United States and made more money around the world. So it was successful, but it wasn't a huge hit. And I think he was really starting to want to do something that would be just on the mark successful. So he goes and he makes this kids' movie, which, you know, kids' movies tend to be, you know, if you sell a a, a movie ticket to a kid, you have to sell it to an adult too. So you automatically, (laughs) you know, you sell more tickets that way. And then. Did you read that or is that
1: something you just thought a a fact that you.
0: That's absolutely the that's truth. A, yeah. If, that's why they do all those animated kids' movies. It's because, you know, the kid can't go oh, by man. themselves.
1: Man, that's low down. Yeah,
0: so you automatically, <laughs> you know, and then to some extent, you know, it's a kid's movie, but, you know, everybody's trying to hit what, what are called four-quadrant movies where kids can go see it, teenagers can go see it, adults can go see it, and even, like, you know, uh, middle-aged adults can go see it. Right. So you hit all four corners, you know. So that's why everybody wants PG thirteen, but not R, because then all of a sudden you cut out people under the age kicking out a lot of tickets. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, but um, and it's like you said, I think that's what Rodriguez was going for. And I mean, and they made like what three, at least three of those Spy Kids movies, and then he made Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Yeah, and
1: uh, I don't know, man. I I mean, I haven't. I watched the first Spy Kids, but I mean. They're just over the top with the, yeah. the special effects, and and uh, you know, I just yeah, yeah, it's just too much,
0: yeah. <laughs> and 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 Rodriguez has to, to kind of maybe to, to maybe kind of answer your uh your question or to uh Rodriguez, um, you know, he started his own network, his own uh El Rey network, right? So he did a television show that was an adaptation of From Dust Till Dawn. Which is on Netflix now, right?: I believe so. yeah. I think they did two seasons of it before it, before it ended. And then he did-
1: which and, and, and just from, from looking at the episodes, it's a retelling mm-hmm. of the movie. It's not like the movie happened, and this is that band of vampires somewhere else. Yeah. Right,
0: right. I think it's the movie, but only broken up into smaller chunks with other things that kind of happen in between. And I want to say maybe he did an El-, El Mariachi TV show as well. The point being, his he he definitely seemed like he was trying to kind of create his own kind of empire, like a Tyler Perry, or uh, something like that. You know, he was trying to really he wanted to control and do all of his own stuff, hire uh you know uh, Latinx people to work on the films and the productions and whatnot, and really control it. And so, like you said, there seems to be like. And I guess that's one of my one of my only real big criticisms of the movie was is the script needed some work for Desperado. At times when it's not intense and there's not danger and peril, you know, looming. Yeah, it got slow and like, okay, what are we doing? What? Why are we talking? Why are we having all these conversations? And they just, you know, it didn't quite work in so, in some places like that. So it seemed like the script needed more work. But um, I do think that you know it would be cool. And I think that's one of the reasons why I liked uh From Dust Till Dawn, because it was Tarantino's script, but it was Rodriguez directing it. Right. So you got all of that dynamic realism you were talking about earlier and all of that kinda like you know, like the cock gun, you know, in, in from Dust Till Dawn and Yeah, you know, the cot But you've
1: uh, got Quentin Tarantino's uh dialogue mm-hmm. and his narrative and direction for the narrative.
0: Yeah, and sense of characters and you know, because even, even in that movie, even, you know, the Harvey Keitel character and his family and, and them kind of interacting with the bad guys. and Yeah. And then the fact that Richie, the Tarantino character in that movie, you know, he was kind of off in the head and was, you know, yeah. violent and brutal. Yeah, with people. Those, are, those
1: are definitely seeds in a good story uh, that, that you're like, oh, man, I got to find out what happens with this dude's family. I got to find out with this crazy younger brother what's he got going. Right, right. The, yeah, those are 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 definitely a more deft hand at storytelling uh whereas you know Rodriguez's story was just guns akimbo. <laughs> yeah, yeah
0: like, like like right there, uh for sure. I also thought it was kind of funny that okay, Bucho runs this town. Bucho is the big bad in this town. He's connected to everything. Everybody's afraid of Bucho. Bucho's paying everybody. He's controlling everything. Right. Okay, how come nobody told Bucho, "Hey, that mariachi, you know he's hanging out at Carolina's bookstore, right?" <laughs> you know,
1: <laughs> I know it, it, it can't be that. I think everybody is watching Carolina's bookstore, frankly. I yes, mean, yes. cuz you know, Carolina. <laughs> uh, yeah. And it's funny, like after the right after the scene where they're hiding from Bucho, they had just burned the bookstore down. Right. They're hiding on the rooftop like fifty feet, you know, right over, you know. Right. They're not really hiding anywhere. (laughs) Right, right,
0: right, right, right. And even he even has a chance to shoot Bucho in the back. Right. And 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 decides not to do it. And I'm like, okay. You don't really want revenge. You like you're like on that tip where I want to see you beg for your life <laughs> with my gun in your mouth, you know. So, uh, you know, I, I guess that was what uh, what his motivation was. But should,
1: should we talk about? Should we wait for another for a Dust Hill Dawn where we're taking a, taking a look at that movie? Or can we talk about now the groin gun that well, showed up in this movie? That's what I, and how in the world does that gun work? Like. <laughs> If you look at the mechanics of that gun, it's like, wait a minute. The revolvers don't even cover the barrel. What is that? How does that work? Does <laughs> hey, that just man. look like a piece of junk? Are you just trying to look like junk? You that know, goes
0: or? back to your Robert Rodriguez winking at the audience like, yeah, you know, okay, you wait, forget about the rocket launcher in the guitar case or the machine <laughs> gun in the guitar case. I'm going to show you a cod piece crotch gun. <laughs> yeah. And figure out how it works. Yeah, just figure out how it works. And in this movie, they never fire the gun; they, they just show it to you, and so you're kind of like, "Okay, this is phallic as hell." And then talk about it actually, Chekhov's
1: gun. You get to see it in *Dust Till Dawn* in action. In *Dust though, Till yeah. Dawn*, yeah,
0: they actually fire the gun. <laughs> it was like uh, Tom Savini's character, Sex Machine, uh, actually shoots it. So, uh, but yeah, that was hilarious. But yeah, man, and um, another thing I found out about this movie, uh, doing some reading is that Rodriguez and Danny Trejo are cousins. Really? Like first cousins
1: or down the road cousins? I don't
0: I think it's first cousins, but they didn't know each other before they worked on the film. And Trejo said that, uh, you know, some of his family from San Antonio came down to visit him while he was working on, on the set. And he was showing them around and they were like, hey, that's your cousin right there. And he's like, what? And then they found out how they were related, and now they're like, you know, they're super close, and they're, you know, like... Yeah. But they didn't realize that they were actually related to one another. Uh,
1: I don't know uh, Trejo's story, but I I think I had read years ago that, I mean, he's one of these guys that he, he he's not coming from some school of acting. No. You know, he was discovered, you know, like, I don't know if it was in prison or, you know, li- living a hard life, but... Um, I mean, he, they're like, look, we got to put you in front of a camera, dude, somehow, some way. Yeah. And, you know, them tattoos is real. They, they know, (laughs) they know know peel on, (laughs) stick on tattoos. I mean. Yeah. You know, and there's some, there's certain tattoos that you see on people that are like, all right, he's, he got his favorite thing, you know. And then there's some tattoos that are like, this dude is walking a walk, you know, (laughs) this guy's living a specific life. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And he's got him. You could, you could definitely tell. And I think he did do some prison time, but you can definitely tell, like, his hardness. And, I mean, you hear him now. He's almost like Mike Tyson in a way where, you know, you could pull up on YouTube, you know, a supercut of Mike Tyson just knocking motherfuckers out, like, <laughs> right. instantly. Just ferocious, <laughs> right? And same thing with Danny Trejo where, you know, you see him play all of these really badass criminals and uh, just really tough guys, and then you hear him now because you know he's in his sixties, maybe seventy now. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, he's old. And
0: though. he's, you know, he sounds sweet and kind and kind of like a, like a cool uncle. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's got this restaurant that he opened up in uh, in Los Angeles, out on the on the West Coast.
1: I think he's even on cooking shows and stuff yeah. here and there.
0: Yeah, he just seems like a like a like a real sweetheart, but. I guess in time, you know, we all kind of lose, you know, the piss and vinegar in our belly of, yeah, you know, wanting to. I mean, you know, I'm not robbing
1: banks like I used to, and you know, (laughs) knocking over liquor
0: stores.
1: (laughs) You got to put that down sometime. You do,
0: you do, you do. (laughs) Um, And I think one other thing about this movie that I thought was interesting, because again, they only gave him a seven million dollar budget. You know, and this was his second feature film. You know, and he basically hustled it up after he did uh, Rodriguez, after he did El Mariachi. But they had a, a short budget. So all the scenes with uh, Buscemi and all the scenes with Cheech Marin were shot in a week because they only had him for a week. Yeah. So if you if you see the sequence in the bar where he you know, he comes in the bar and then they have the shootout. Some of the stuff where like Chich Marin is crawling around on his hands and knees by himself, all that was shot separately. He was like, okay, they shot a bunch of stuff just to make sure they got that that stuff done. Yeah, and then the stuff where he was actually interacting with the other principal actors, like Quentin Tarantino and uh and uh and Banderas. Um uh, you know, my favorite scenes from that whole movie
1: and the ones that are I'm most fond of are the scenes from the bar. Yeah, because it's 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 edited, and like I like we were talking about the music. You know, the music is integral to like you know as Quentin Tarantino's telling this this joke you've got uh Roger and the Gypsies past the hatchet playing in the background mm-hmm. and then you know the joke is going man if i was telling the joke and i had Roger and the Gypsies playing in the background yeah picking up steam as i'm getting to the climax <laughs> of the joke i mean that joke's going to really go over yeah, you know yeah 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 um i think uh the strength of of Rodriguez as a director and his editing sense sensibilities came came into play with all of that stuff in the bar. I mean the bar scenes are, are my favorite. As a matter of fact, you know, it's just now I'm coming to that realization that um I think that's the strongest part of the movie is is all that stuff in the bar.
0: Yeah. I would agree. And also too, you know, this movie is dubbed as a like an action neo western. So Yeah. You know, tough motherfuckers walking in a bar, and then the whole place gets quiet, and he's got to have a standoff with another tough person. Right. And, you know, yeah. and the bartender's like, you know, hey, don't come in here trying to tell me how to run my fucking bar. You know, like, those kinds of exchanges are classic for the Western genre, and so it it reads immediately you're like you're just waiting wow, for, yep. for trouble to, to, you know, to, to kind of pop off or whatever, but... Going back and watching this movie, like I said, you know, I, I have always been like, you know, uh, a fan of uh, Rodriguez kind of as like a cult personality. You know, this, all the stuff with his own network and, you know, and telling these stories about communities that he's from and people, you know, that he would seem to have known. I have always been a big fan, but I do think rewatching this movie, like of the, quote, trilogy, I guess, like you said, if, it, if you can loosely call it that. Sure. Sure. This is definitely the crown jewel uh, of those movies because the first movie, you know, you see him kind of doing, you know, this kind of plucky director, you know, kind of doing all the, you know, guerrilla tactics to get the movie made. Right. But at least in this one, he has a budget where he can actually do some stuff and hire, you know, hire, you know, uh, credible uh, uh, craftspeople and technicians to really bring his vision to life. And like you said, even though I didn't know it at the time until Tarantino showed up in the movie— you could feel that implied connective tissue between what Tarantino was doing and what Rodriguez was doing. And I think they're actually buddies in real life too.
1: You know what? They must be. And I I don't know. It's like they, somehow or another, they recognized each other and the tones of their movies or whatever. But, mm-hmm. you know, when you think of Rodriguez and somehow or another in the back of your mind, you're thinking of Quentin Tarantino and, Honestly, when you think of Quentin Tarantino, well, I don't know. He's 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 starting to. He's he's at this point he's more like a, um, Scorsese. You know he's huge, but yeah, you know back then certainly they were they were very much alike. Yeah.
0: Well, I, I'm I'm glad you suggested this movie, man, for a uh, for a, a playback because, um, oftentimes now, like if I'm at the end of a long day or a long week. You know, I'm always telling my wife, like we'll talk about, you know, hey, we want to watch something, and I'm always passing over stuff because I'm like, I don't want anything that's too plot heavy or too story heavy where I gotta think. You know, I want something where it's you know kind of easy to follow story and something that's going to be fun. Right. You know, at the at the end of a long day. And this movie was fun to watch. It was fun to kind of go for the for the ride again. And um, and it goes by quick. Yeah, yeah, it definitely does, man. So this 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 was definitely a uh, a good choice we got to talk about the, what what is it about when you sit down to watch movies, how
1: often do we go to movies that we've seen over and over versus something that looks really good, you right. know, and, and and the promises are there that it's going to be a great movie, but we always wind up going, <laughs> ah, you know what, I think I'll watch Jaws for the 45th time, you know, or something <laughs> like that.
0: <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know what it is. Um, Adrian and I had actually talked about, and we just abandoned it for some reason, um, Doing a an episode of what we would call comfort movies, mm-hmm. movies that you know you would put on or that you would watch that you have seen a bunch of times, but part of the reason is because you know you you're waiting for that scene or or this scene, um, to come on. And he's like, oh, is it like chasing the high? Uh-huh? kind of or <laughs> way or it's just you know it's just like a oh, yeah, this is that part right before the part where that happens or whatever. Yeah. And so you're kind of <laughs> anticipating it, and you can't wait to get to this other part or whatever. Or even in, in a movie that you really, really like, there are parts of die, of die Hard where I'm like, okay. Oh,
1: that's definitely one. Yeah, But there
0: are parts in that where I'm kind of like, okay, all right, I want to get through this part because I want to get to the next part. I want to get to the part where, where, where Hans opens the elevator, and he says, now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho.
1: <laughs> you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah,
0: I want to get to where you know yeah. when he tells Ellis, you know, shut your fucking mouth, Ellis. Hans, Ellis, he doesn't know who this you you are. I know what kind of man you are. Yeah, like I want to get to that. You know, it's like, hey, John, what are you talking about? Oh, buddy,
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love Ellis, man. We need more Ellis's in this world, <laughs> man. Ellis got fucking. I, the best part of that scene was the realization when Ellis realized.
0: Oh no! Yeah, <laughs> this is you. You almost want to do that overdub that that uh that you would do And uh they do on those uh those those videos where it's like, and it was at that moment he knew he had fucked up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Dwight Clark, Swain Hunt, and Adrian Johnson.